why did you decide that I guess business was the way you were going to get out of that life that you were living, working those various jobs? <laughs> yeah, I did not think I was going to be in business <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so I was an artist. I even wrote a post recently about this because I was like, I always thought I was like this free spirit and I don't want anything to do with business. I literally said I will not. I would fall asleep. My boyfriend, Sean, loves the newspaper. He would read the Financial Times and I would like open it and just immediately pass out. <laughs> like I just couldn't process it. And what happened was it was like a reframe because I realized I'm like, I want to do my own thing. I want to be free. And I hated the word business. I hated like anything with numbers. But I'm like, I'm going to do it. So I started a business <laughs> unknowingly. And eventually I was like, oh, this is actually making some money. Like, what else can I do? And years into looking into self-development business books and all that stuff, I was like, oh, I have a business now. <laughs> all the thing I was running from, it was just mislabeled and like misrepresented. It was always this corporate cool thing. But mm. business is really just like giving something valuable to other people, right? So that was, I had to trick myself into it. <laughs> hey, welcome to the Not Genius Podcast. I hope that you guys are having an awesome morning, had a great weekend. Today, we got a special treat for you guys. We always have a special treat for you guys. <laughs> Today, we got Kat Popova. How are you doing, Kat? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, thank you for inviting me to this awesome show. I'm Kat, Katarina Popova. I'm an artist, creative entrepreneur, coach, and author now <laughs> thank uh, you so much for having me good snaps <laughs> so how are you doing i am great i am just coming off our book launch so just kind of enjoying the quieter ish season <laughs> we just uh, released a book called the creative business handbook and it's for any aspiring creatives artists curators and so that came out in may and it's been, as you can imagine, just all book, books, yeah. <laughs> podcast books, uh, but it's really fun. So that's, that's how are you awesome. doing? We're good. We're excited you're here. And we're curious about uh, if you could tell us a little bit your upbringing and what brought you to becoming an artist and then an entrepreneur as well and coach and author. So I grew up in Russia, just a little backstory. I lived there till I was about 12, 13 years old. And I was always creative. I was making like clothes for my Barbies. And um, I got in trouble because I brought a snowman <laughs> inside the house and kept it in the fridge for um, a while. So I was just always loved <laughs> making things. And that's something that just always stuck with me. And I was the kid that wanted to do everything. I went from gymnastics to like horseback riding to playing the piano. And art was one of the first things that I actually stuck with. So when we migrated to the U.S. when I was 12, I used it kind of to process, to find my way. I didn't really speak English for a while. In fact, I didn't speak for three months. So the visual world was a way for me to kind of like break in and meet kids because it was really cool, you know, in school when you could draw. Uh, <laughs> that was kind of a way in. Um, but I continued to pursue it. And then fast forward to graduating high school Everyone was like, don't go into the arts. You're going to be broke forever. You're not going to ever get a job. Go into business. You know, another language. Go study international business. And I just like couldn't do it. I listened to my gut and I was like, no, I'm going to find a way. So <laughs> and I had like little signs. I got a little scholarship and I just really felt like this was this was for me. Um, and I went to art school. And of course, the predictions were correct after I graduated. <laughs> Did not, in fact, find a job. And it was really 
hard. I worked at IHOP for a while, uh, the one on 202 here, because I moved to this area, um, worked at Macy's, worked at the bank, and eventually it led me to just start questioning, like, is this really what my life is going to look like? I just couldn't take that as the answer. So I started to think like, what can I do? What can I do? And eventually through volunteering and like putting myself into different groups, I got the idea for my first business that was back in 2013. So that's a very condensed version (laughs) of a very emotional (laughs) and and very terrifying journey. Yeah. Going back to what you said about moving from Russia at the age of 12, what was that like? I mean, I was really excited because you see all these movies and you see all these people with beautiful homes and everyone's so happy and has like super shiny white teeth. (laughs) And that was like a big thing. And I was like, okay, we're going to have, we're going to see everything you see in American movies. And we moved here. My stepdad, he had a house, but it was like super old. The house was in the middle of a field and I'm grateful for him, but it was just a con, like, huge contrast to how I grew up. I grew up in a bigger city so we could walk everywhere. We were very isolated. So my mom got really depressed and uh, it was not the American dream by any means. And we had no money. We didn't know anyone and I didn't speak. So it was just really, really lonely, honestly, for a while, for a few years. That was like the, the first part of it. Um, but eventually, you know, we made our way and started to meet some people like through the church and eventually at school, but it was it was not at all what you would expect, you know, after seeing everything that you see on the media. Mm. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so when did all that stuff kind of start turning around in your life? Because you said that, you know, you came over here with different expectations compared to the ones that you actually lived out. And then eventually you started building a community and then you started finding your way in America. Like when did that change start escalating to the point that it was like starting to compound and starting to click for you yeah well I was really young so it's not like you don't really think about that stuff as a kid you just want to have fun you just want to fit in you want the cool clothes you don't really think about like you know building communities or anything Mm. like that but later on like now I think about that and I think it nothing bothers me more is when people feel excluded or if you people feel isolated that's why I started to create these things for at least my niche which is artists and creative entrepreneurs but I experience a lot of that. You just feel completely out of place. You don't, you feel like an alien in a way. You're like, you don't belong. People don't get you. People ask you weird questions. Like one of my favorites was, is there a toilet in Russia? Like, (laughs) or do you guys have pizza? Like, yes. And yes. It was, it was very strange. Uh, But even as I got older and I went to high school, it's just like this disparity of how, you see the world versus how people who always lived here see the world. And there's nothing wrong with it, but it does make you feel like a weirdo at times. So Mm. I think like creating safe spaces for people became a passion. I just couldn't really label it for a long time until like COVID probably. So what was that like? And I'm curious, have you always been the type of person to kind of just go with your gut? Um, Just choosing to study art instead of like one that everyone told you to do? That's a great question. I don't know if I was always like that. I think I just didn't. Sometimes it's like your environment or your circumstances are so undesirable that you'll do anything to get out of it, Mm -hmm. even though it's uncomfortable or scary. You just can't see yourself continuing as you are. So I think that was part of it. But I 
even when I was a kid, when I would get an idea like to make a restaurant menu for no reason, I just like had to do it. I had to do it. No <laughs> one could stop me. <laughs> uh, so I think in a way, yes. But I was also like thinking back now I'm like on all these podcasts and speaking to people. When I was a kid, I, I was so shy. Like I literally refused to talk to strangers. Refused. <laughs> like you couldn't force me. So there's a lot of changes that had to happen. Mm. So. What was that process like? in making those changes because that's a drastic transformation a lot of internal mindset work and personal development what yeah. what's your personal development journey look like i don't know where when it started per se i know that i mean the church i think like going moving here one of the places that i did find like comfort was like going to youth group my friend's parents would pick me up and uh they would like pay for me to go to summer camp with their daughters uh so stuff like that was really helpful just to have that community and positive mindset but i think later on it was once again like i don't want to be here so sometimes using that negative situation to help you make a decision to move forward like i would was extremely shy even during college and one of my first jobs was running a creative um a student-run art gallery and that was the first time I had to like be a leader and I said yeah it was one of those gut things maybe it was always there I was like okay I'm gonna do this it was terrifying I was like sweating and I couldn't speak but I was like I have to do this and later on like pitching my business literally going door to door and just like introducing myself to people in New York so it just it's both like a combination of wanting to move forward from where you are and the desire to improve your situation or life eventually for other people too yeah that's really amazing so what was it like and i'm curious how did you why did you decide that i guess business was the way you were going to get out of that life that you were living working those various jobs <laughs> yeah i did not think i was going to be in business anyway. <laughs> so i was an artist i even wrote a post recently about this because i was like i always thought it was like this free spirit and i don't want anything to do with business i literally said i will not i would fall asleep my boyfriend sean loves the newspaper he would read the financial times and i would like open it and just immediately pass out <laughs> like i just couldn't process it and what happened was it was like a reframe because i realized like i want to do my own thing i want to be free and i hated the word business i hated like anything with numbers but i'm like i'm gonna do it so i started a business <laughs> unknowingly and eventually i was like oh this is actually making some money like what else can i do and years into looking into self-development business books and all that stuff i was like oh i have a business now. <laughs> all the thing i was running from it was just mislabeled and like misrepresented it was always this corporate cool thing but mm. business is really just like giving something valuable to other people right so that was i had to trick myself into it <laughs> yeah. it wasn't not a, a natural desire i did not want to be a business person <laughs> and were you around people that were doing similar things no no mm -hmm. so what was that like i guess every if everyone you're around is like not doing that and then here you are kind of like i guess being different yeah that was also very weird because in art school my professors were always like, oh, you need to go to grad school because then you can teach. But I, like, but I don't want to teach. <laughs> so <laughs> I would argue with them like, but you'll be great. And I'm like, but I don't want to do that. It doesn't matter if I'll be good at it. I'll just hate it. So I had to kind of just decide for myself and avoid the peer pressure. And I only had one person in my life who was in business, which was my boyfriend, Sean's dad. But he just like, 
he had a great lifestyle and he didn't really talk about his business. So it's not like I even knew what he was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, so for me, it was just like, it was just figuring it out on my own once again and then finding people like deciding that's what I want to do. And then finding like the mentors, the examples and things like that. But yeah, no one knew what the hell I was doing. (laughs) They were like, what's going on? But yeah, it was, it was an interesting time for sure. Yeah. I love what you said when you were talking about how you were trying to run away from business, but at the end of the day, business is just bringing value to other people and helping them creating something that is actually useful for their life. It's not, maybe some people look at business and connect it to like the sleazy car salesman who are just, or the people who are, you know, theoretically selling ice to a polar bear. Yeah. It's like, they don't really need that. And so why would they buy that? But really you're doing the type of business that is more so lifting up other people's lives and you being part of their journey brings them to a better place and you didn't even realize that you were doing business you're more so living your life living your passion and i remember like me starting out doing everything i didn't know i was doing business all i was doing was driving around looking for ugly houses i just want (laughs) to buy an ugly house that's all i want to do it's not i didn't know that that was business you know or cutting grass i didn't know that i was doing business by cutting grass i was just you know trying to make some money and survive and uh you know help some some people who didn't want to cut their grass in, on a hot summer day, 100 degree day, that's adding value, right? Yeah. When did it click for you and for you guys in general? When Did you have a moment where you're like, oh, I'm a business person now? When all the, when, when all <laughs> now. the, people, when all the people came into the picture, when it was no longer the responsibility of me to look over myself, but it was my responsibility for me to be a leader amongst others to make sure that they are also thriving and succeeding in their passions and dreams. Mm. It's like when it's like other people's livelihoods on the line or whenever I am responsible for being part of somebody's journey or that specific chapter, I was like, oh my gosh. Then, yeah, then I guess the business thing started clicking adding value to their life and they really do take my opinion uh to heart or seriously what about you josh i think so we go to a lot of different events and i think being around i guess business people and just seeing the way they operate especially when you have people working underneath you and you have that responsibility and now you need to make decisions differently um But just seeing that it's like you can do it as a hobby um, and that's great. But if you want to kind of scale and have people under you and be able to mentor them and help them grow with whatever they're doing, uh, if you want to do it to the fullest, I think you need to take it from like hobby to business. Um, Otherwise, you may not have the like systems to help them be able to grow and sustain your life in their life yeah definitely that responsibility locks it all in (laughs) yeah yeah it's a scary and i think that's what keeps a lot of people out of it because they're so afraid of letting people down or Mm. making a mistake but it's going to happen regardless if you're going to go all in on anything so what did your responsibilities look like when it was just you being solopreneur versus you now where you're at (laughs) i mean i think it was 
It's It was interesting because I love working by myself. I'm an introvert, so I just love, like, give me my laptop or my paint, and I'm happy. You can see you in three months. Like, I'm good. Uh, and now it's like I do have to go out of my way to check in on people and make time. And it's not a bad thing. It's just like I have to adapt, but I have to make sure I give myself that time alone because I that's why I started out. I started this whole thing for the freedom of it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes some of the responsibilities do creep in on that value. So I have to just keep that in check for sure because it can mm -hmm. get out of hand very fast. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So what is it like being a creative entrepreneur and especially artists, like I saw your paintings are really awesome. Thank you. How do you like, because it's two separate things, mm -hmm. at least it look for, yeah. like when I look at it, it's like, okay, well, one, you have to be an artist and really good at art, obviously, but like you, that doesn't necessarily make you money. Like it can, it can, it's just different. It's different parts of the brain. It's like when you're in, when you're creating, you don't want to think about anything else. You just want to be in present. You want to be with your work, whether you're writing, painting, sculpting, whatever, designing. But I think when you're working on your business, you absolutely want to research. You absolutely want to make sure like you, you have the awareness of what's happening, like in all the areas. So I think it just, you have to carve out times for it. My biggest mistake in the beginning was I tried to do it all in one day. I'm like, I'm just going to quickly do this and I'm going to go paint. But it doesn't really work because once I'm like in business mode, I can't switch off and be creative all of a sudden. I get yeah. all these new ideas and it's like the, a spiral, a good spiral. Um, and same with art. Like five hours can go by as I'm creating and I won't even notice if I'm not interrupting myself, <laughs> mm. turning the phone off. Yeah. So one thing I'm really curious about is it appears to me like that and you you talked about this on your website how art helped you express your feelings um with negative i guess with any emotion specifically like do you ever find that because you're in this feeling state it almost causes you to be like stay in that state where like let's just say if you were in a negative state and you're painting something negative like does that pull you even further down I think so. I'm very superstitious when it comes to art. I think there's a place for it to, if you use it for our therapy, you can definitely like make something and let it go and move on. But I think if you're making something day to day, if you're constantly painting negative images and focusing on dark emotions, you're just going <laughs> to amplify it. Um, but I mean, some people disagree with that. That's just my personal opinion. So I believe in acknowledging our emotions and experiences, but I don't think for me, I'm very sensitive. So if I'm constantly thinking about something or looking at something, it's just going to perpetuate that. Yeah. It doesn't help you let it go. But I think journaling and like doing our therapy, like activities, whether you're just like collaging or sketching or writing it down and like to, to release it, I think that can be really helpful. Mm. There's like a place and time for it. For everything, yeah. But there's like, you know, there's theories about, you know, if you're into manifesting, like mm -hmm. if you, art is a powerful manifestation tool because you, literally take your vision and you put it and you make it even more real by putting it on like a sculpture or a canvas. So I think we have to be careful <laughs> what mm. we use our words. It's like, you know, mm -hmm. spelling is from the word spell. So when we say things or we make things, we want to be careful what, what it is we're putting out there. Yeah. That's so interesting. Spelling derives from the word Casting spell. Casting a spell. <laughs> so with the manifestation, I saw that, um, some of your paintings were of messy rooms. 
Yeah. <laughs> when, you, when, you paint <laughs> messy, a messy yeah. <laughs> when you when you paint a messy room, do you ever find that you, you go back to your house and it looks I like mean, that? I mean, totally. Because now I'm like, people want these messy rooms. I've got to keep my house messy. <laughs> <laughs> totally manifested a messy house for many years. Um, no, that was like, that was the previous work. I, re- I recognize, <laughs> I recognize what I've done. But no, it was cool. I think for me, that was like, that was a way to heal in that situation, it was interesting because I was comparing myself a lot. I was like, oh, these cool people are grad school or they have like trust funds and here I am, poor dear me. And I was just comparing myself a lot. And then I started to notice like interesting things in my life. And that was a way for me to like accept it. So I definitely think it perpetuated messiness for a while though. <laughs> but then I shifted to more um, controlled environments. <laughs> mm. But people still ask for those messy rooms. I'm like, I'm done with that life. <laughs> I can invest in someone to help me tidy up right. a little bit. Me too. Me too. I got a house cleaner every other week and it's the best money I can spend. It really is. Yes. Shout out to my cleaning girls. They're amazing. I, I started doing that about a year and a half ago and it was game changing for sure. Changes me a lot. I can't spend a whole day cleaning my own no, house. It's, it's so like, much. I will be so angry because I'm not even the best person to do it. <laughs> You know. I don't know. Do you yeah. guys get distracted if you try to clean where you see something interesting? Like, oh, where's this like book or sketchbook or magazine? And then like six hours go by and I'm like reading something and I forget you about. You forgot that you were cleaning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or I'll get like into funnels where I need to clean like one drawer and I get obsessive with it. That's why it's good to like have someone moderate my behavior. <laughs> <laughs> do you have uh, a little? level of ocd you kind of like not diagnosed maybe i think it's more like adhd probably (laughs) distracted easily yeah you mentioned that you had struggled with comparison and you were surrounded by other people who may have come from different backgrounds and they also did art and maybe that's the privilege that allows them to go down the path and maybe not experience so much financial distress but what what was that journey like working your way through the comparison game? I think when I was in the middle of it, when I was in my 20s, it was really easy to just think, well, well, they have this. Of course, they're going to be successful. But that's not that's only part of the equation. I think having financial resources is really important. And I wish more creative people and people in general obviously had it. But then years go by and you realize a lot of those people just don't have the commitment or drive to continue. So it doesn't mm. matter that they had the resources. They A lot of them moved on to something else or gave up. So yes, it's frustrating going through it. But at the end of the day, it's like what we're willing to keep doing is what's going to make the biggest difference. Um, but it was challenging because I thought it was going to hold me back more than it actually did. So When did you realize that it doesn't hold you back? <laughs> today no um no, right now no it's a i think breakout session right here. <laughs> i'm having an epiphany uh, i think it was like when my business started to grow and i realized like i was more in control of my life than mm. i thought i was and i was like oh i'm making things happen like things <laughs> people are buying things from me and it's fun and i have a good life and i was like i'm so glad that i stuck with it you know but during what the most humbling was when I was at IHOP and we had um, an alumni reunion and one of my professors was asking me about what I was doing and everyone else was like, I'm an intern here. And I couldn't afford to do these internships because they weren't paid. You had to travel. You had to find lodging. So I just like couldn't do the things that all these kids were doing. And I was just really ashamed. I was like, I failed. Here I am. This is my life. <laughs> I'm serving pancakes. <laughs> but it 
you know, over time I realized like that was part of it. Keeps me humble. <laughs> part of the journey. Yeah. That's awesome. What do you think differentiates the people that can stick with it versus the people that fall off? I think the biggest thing is knowing uh, how to pivot and also not comparing yourself to big brands. A lot of people get in this trap of like, I need to rent a huge giant studio before I can afford it. And I need to just do all these crazy things. And they end up burning out because they lose their focus or like comparing themselves to all these people who've been doing it maybe for 50 years or based on industry standards. Uh, and I think if you can just do what you can with what you got as long as you can and then upgrade from, from there, I think that's what's going to keep it going for you. Mm. I think people just realize... And then technology is always changing. The art world is always changing. For example, during COVID, um, virtual galleries started popping up. Before, like everyone considered them to be not real art. It's not a real art gallery, but it all changed in a mo like it literally in the blink of an eye. Our Basel was having virtual exhibitions, and it just legitimized all these people. Mm -hmm. And if they would have given up, they would never have reaped the benefits of like really sticking with it and following their vision. So, just trusting yourself, using the resources that you have, not what someone else has. Kat, please tell me like if I got this wrong, but it sounds like you figured out how to play the long game and that success is in the longevity of sticking with something over and over and over again, learning, uh, adapting, sticking with it, and ultimately just finding your passion, your niche, and eventually finding your flow. And that's what led you to where you are. Yes and no. <laughs> I made a lot of mistakes. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the mistakes is what I just shared is getting ahead of myself and thinking that I need to have all these things to grow. And mm -hmm. some it's really challenging to figure out what to invest in as an artist or a creative or any entrepreneur, really, because I'll just give a few examples. Like I used to think, oh, if I hire a really, really expensive designer, it's going to make my sales go up. That did not, in fact, happen. <laughs> <laughs> I was just in the hole for a really long time. Or if I, <laughs> or if I hire, if I rent this space, people are going to think I'm legit. And none of that is real. Like all of those things are awesome if you can afford it or if you have the budget for it. But at the end of the day, people come to you for you and what you're offering. And I'm I'm tell I'm saying this because I made that mistake. I overinvested. I overspent on things that just did not move the needle in any way, shape, or form. So yeah, yeah. I think it's just being. Uh, taking it slow, like recognizing where you're at, being grateful where you are, and then, but also not shaming yourself for those mistakes because you have to, you have to learn, you know. Yeah. <laughs> can't you can't continue without making a few of those like life changing mistakes that make you realize like this really does not matter. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything like practically that an artist would be able to implement to help them? grow their business just showing up honestly showing up showing up imperfect showing up as much as possible um like i think having respect for yourself it's really hard to get other people to believe in the value of your work if you don't believe in it yourself being proud of yourself even if you're not where you want to be just acknowledging like i'm doing it i'm ahead of 50 percent of people that <laughs> gave up mm. yeah so where did you find that confidence in yourself not just your work, but in yourself. Through massive failure. <laughs> like once I survived this, like I lost my first business. I almost lost my second business due to overspending. Um, 
just falling flat on my face and then realizing, hey, I'm still here. Cool. Okay, let's try something else. Like just at that, when your ego kind of dies a little bit, then you can <laughs> then you can continue on and and move forward. So it's like not as scary when you've already been there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Will you be able to tell us a little bit about that first business and what went wrong? Totally. So my first business was uh, it was an art magazine. That's how I started. It was originally going to be an art gallery. I just didn't have the funding for it. So it was the space for artists, a painter specifically. Mm-hmm. And I uh, brought on a partner and the partner was great, super talented, but they just had a totally different vision of what they wanted to do. And about six months into the partnership, did not work. And mm-hmm. they couldn't negotiate and ended up dissolving the whole thing. So it's very mm. painful. I had to start over. And I left my day job that year. <laughs> so I was kind of living off my credit cards for six months until my second business started to uh, grow. But yeah, it was definitely a lesson, like trusting your gut, looking out for red flags. And like sometimes growing slower is better than... We grew really fast, but it wasn't worth it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Were you alone during this time or were you with Sean? I was with Sean and he was very helpful and he tried to like negotiate for me and it was, God bless that man, <laughs> so crying and screaming and uh, we were actually on a road trip. We did the route one on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of nice to have that distraction. But every time I got a lawyer call trying to figure this thing out, it definitely was oh my <laughs> very, very fun road trip. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what were some red flags that you maybe overlooked? I think overly eager people, people who try to sell you too hard on something, um, people who do things behind your back, <laughs> like registering back. Uh, something in their name without telling you about it. Just sounds like fraud. Lack of communication. Yeah, exactly. Like lack of communication. It wasn't really, I don't think it was fraud. It was just like selfishness okay. and wanting to get credit for things not Mm -hmm. being a good team player Mm. not caring about the community those are red flags (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah so what was that time period like you said six months and you didn't go back to your day job Mm -hmm. so because the business was working it just the partnership didn't work so i was like i have to just suck it up so i was like buckle up we're gonna do this we're gonna just it's gonna be hard but i'm just gonna build it up because i knew it worked like my system worked and I did it. And I did invest, despite not having any funds, <laughs> I did invest in a good business course, Marie Forleo's B-School that year, because I was like, I need just some like accelerated tips, anything. So I took that course and I applied everything I've learned. And it was it was very hard, but I did it. I cried a lot. <laughs> I screamed a lot. I cried. and um, But it was also like the universe opened doors during that time. I met my now business mentor during that time. Um, and I also went on an artist residency in Greece and that gave me a lot of ideas because just like walking, looking at the sea and just processing everything. And I signed up for that residency before I knew <laughs> my, my business was going to be lost. But yeah. How long ago was that? That was seven years ago. Dang. Yeah. Seven years. We had mm-hmm. one friend who was on our podcast and he used to be a bartender seven years ago. And then he <laughs> ended up like getting into real estate doing like like maybe five years down the line, he did a thousand deals in one year. And oh, I wow. Like, I was like, 
you went from being a bartender <laughs> to now being like an expert like leader slash salesperson are you kidding me totally and it's like a lot a lot can happen in a short period of time if you just shift your mindset not necessarily meet the right people but it's just like you're showing up every single day like you're talking about being enthusiastic adding value and just trying to serve others it's going to come back around towards you totally i love that lift you up yeah things can change really fast and whenever i have a hard period or things feel slow i think a good question is like what can i do to serve people or what do i need right now that other people might also need Mm -hmm. and that usually like one distracts me from whatever (laughs) problem is, is happening and two usually end up creating something that's actually valuable that way. So That's really smart. <laughs> it's not always easy to apply it though. Yeah. What's something that other what so what's something that I need that other people may also need? Mm. Are you asking yourself that right now? No, yeah, I am. Yeah. Oh, what was the, what was your most recent thing that was basically the answer to what's something that I need that other people may need or there what's are the two, most recent Yeah, creation? there are two things. So we had and this is kind of like it was a long Um, time in the making but we did a show for our community because a lot of them we have a mix of people who are more established who have gallery presentation and some of them are new and they really didn't so we curated a show in Philadelphia um, for them and then my art community they love books (laughs) like me so I made I decided to do a invitation only catalog for them and they are like I had 14 people sign up in like one day. It was amazing. So that was really cool. Uh, I just realized sometimes I know for me, I don't know about you guys, but I'll think about like, what does the industry need? And that's these big distant abstract thoughts. But I'm like, what do I like? And then usually what I like is the people I attracted also like similar things. So it's usually a lot easier than we think it is. I attracted a bunch of nerds. (laughs) So we like books, (laughs) books and art. What kind of books do you like to read? I like to read anything. I mean, I definitely try to read like a business book, a self-development book, and then something interesting like a historical. Mm. Um, I'm reading a book about shipwrecks right now. It's very fascinating. I forget the name of it. It'll come back to me. And then I like fiction before bed. How about you guys? Wait, so four books at a time? Yeah, it's the ADHD. At all times? <laughs> Oh, I also listen to a different book when I'm driving. It's so mess. five. <laughs> I can't help it. I don't know. It's just like my brain. I swear it's like compartmentalized and it needs to like be fed different information. I try to be hyper focused on one thing. It just doesn't work for me. So how long does it take you to read five books at one time? Or do you like, like a fit? month? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Dang, that's Could a lot of books. More. Yeah. 60 books a year? <laughs> I guess. Yeah. If you count the audio ones, probably. Wow. How about you guys? What do you like to read? I like to read things that can help me in the here and now. So recently, I was reading this book called Attached, which talks about adult attachment styles and theories. And there's like three main ones for adults. I don't know. Have you heard of that book or no? Yeah, I haven't heard of the book, but I have studied attachment theory. It's very fascinating. So it's like secure, avoidant, and anxious. Yeah, and disorganized too. There's one. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't talk too much about disorganized, but I focused on those three and it was like man half of the people in the population are secure and that's like the equilibrium it's like if they have a partner who is anxious or have a partner whom is what was the other one secure anxious Anxious, secure and then uh avoidant avoidant Avoidant. yeah if they have one of the other two they can 
the secure partner can typically lift up the other person because they know that at the end of the day, you know, their partner still loves them and cares for them. Whereas the avoidant person is just like, hey, I just need my space and they push you away. It's like, <laughs> I still love you, but it's like, I'm very bad at communicating it. And then the anxious person is just like, man, does this person even love me? And then when, <laughs> when you have both anxious and avoided together, oh, no. that relationship typically doesn't work out. <laughs> but what's crazy is me and my wife are anxious and avoided. And I was like, this makes so much sense. There's ways around it, though. It's not like no, an end all. It's just all, like yeah. you just have to learn how to communicate with each other and tell the other person what they need to hear instead of, you know, agitating them into more, to, more chaos. You need to grow out of your attachment style your default attachment style and develop a new one or develop to be more secure and be more self-aware and you know any type of book that can lead me to becoming more self-aware that's currently what i'm reading right now yeah that's awesome Mm. what about you josh so right now i'm reading i'm halfway down the bible wow and That's like that's a lot. right right now where I'm at. <laughs> like, it's like it goes from Psalms, which is like poetry basically, to like lists of names. <laughs> that one I would skip. <laughs> so that part's pretty brutal, but it definitely is interesting. Um, and then I'm reading this book about the riots in 1968 in Wilmington. So after Martin Luther King Jr. died, uh, it was the longest standoff between, I believe, to this day from the national guard to like any sort of city um and it's really interesting looking at pictures because all the buildings are the same yeah which is like all like obviously all the streets are the same and everything but like so that's so cool yeah that's awesome there was um a time where i volunteered at the delaware art museum and they had an exhibition actually about that and i was helping to scan the slides um into the computer oh no yeah some of those images were in there it's really cool that's probably like the book I'm reading. Probably. What's yeah. the book name? I don't, honestly, I don't know. Yeah. But it's like not really a book. It's more like pictures with captions. Yeah, no, that's cool though. It's really, it's amazing to to look back at the history of Wilmington. Yeah. It used to be the go-to place. No, it's really cool, especially when you're like driving through certain areas and I'm like, oh, I read about that. Yeah. It's a this historically rich town for sure. That's, yeah. I'd have to check that out. That's right, guys. You got to come to Wilmington, Delaware. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like those memes, like Wilmington, Delaware, and then Conquer Mall, and it's like this like luxurious <laughs> resort. I love those memes. <laughs> so those two, and then, oh, I guess I'm similar to you because I'm always re- reading multiple things, and then like a business one, usually. Yeah. But... I really like reading history. That's probably yeah, my favorite. That's awesome. Yeah. I try to. I think it's so interesting to read history and just learn about all these. One of the interesting books that Sean had me read was um, Vanderbilt's. It was like a story of the Vanderbilts and just like all the drama that they had in their family. It was very detailed, but it was fascinating. Mm. Sounds interesting. Do I love some of these like old stories? Um I was at a cookout recently. You ever heard, you ever seen like the science panel management, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, like, um, it's like a old Delaware family that owns a lot of real estate and whatever. And we were at a cookout or I was at a cookout and some of the guys were talking about how some of these apartments in the city, the city of Wilmington, they used to just put uh, a ton, a ton of storage containers underneath the dirt and, um, uh, or they put them underneath the ground in place of the dirt so they could save money on getting oh dirt. Oh, my God. And now those exact buildings are oh. kind of feeling like – you feel like you're on a boat rocking. 
You know, you get seasick inside a building. I want to know which buildings those are so I can avoid them. It's this one. Oh, my God. But my friend was talking about how a guy had bought a condo for like 150 grand, and then he's trying to sell it for like 60 the year after, and he's like, can't even get a bite. Because it was during a time where everyone was buying stuff with no inspections. And I was like, Mm. oh, my gosh, that is a nightmare. And there's actually several of these buildings across you know newcastle county because you know i guess that's just the way that the old capanos used to do business and now they got a ton of money and they're probably doing things right now but yeah i don't hopefully. know it's, <laughs> they it's won't crazy. tell us until yeah. it's too late right. <laughs> <laughs> well it's like growing up in russia we had those buildings uh the soviet ones that were made to be temporary until they built something quality except they never they're still there so we live in this building and that you could hear everything from your neighbors you could hear people walking you could hear people watching tv like there was no sound barrier at all <laughs> um and like 90 percent of people live in these buildings it's an apartment mm-hmm. yeah it was oh. when khrushchev was in power and he just made his mess like mass produced they all look the same we even had a man come in, a drunk man, try to break into our apartment because he thought it was at his house. Oh, so it literally no. looked the same. He was just in the wrong building. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, and the keys were the same, too. So we, after that, we got a new door. That's mm. freaky. Yeah. The keys were the same? The keys were the same. Oh, that is weird. Yeah. I remember <laughs> my mom was in a bathroom and I was like, I don't know what I was doing. And I heard someone coming in. It was just me and my mom. And this man comes in yelling like, what are you doing inside my house? And we're like, um, this is our house. My mom had to push him out. <laughs> it was very crazy. That is yeah. crazy. Yeah. That's super weird. <laughs> no, so many stories of. My mind just went to like Ready Player One with like the, you know, trailers like stacked on top of one another. And I was like, oh my gosh. No, that's irrelevant. Yeah. So what are you most excited about currently in your life? What's driving you? What are you passionate about? I mean, just taking some time to be creative. I did a lot the past year. I had a solo show in Paris. I had the book come out. So just honestly living a little bit normal normal yeah. activities going on runs on sundays yeah running <laughs> learning how to surf reading learning how to surf yeah that was the goal for this year so I'm waiting for my surfboard i've taken a few lessons so far oh, really? where are you surfing <laughs> just in delaware i went to montauk last month to take some classes from those people wow so so how's that been going great great i needed a hobby because my art used to be my hobby, and then it turned to my job, so mm. <laughs> needed something new. So what is that like now, then? What? Making art and, I guess, it being your job. I think just have to, like, I like to keep a sketchbook and just make sure I have projects just for me to avoid burnout. But I have some shows coming up, so I'll be back to making more art. <laughs> mm. Is there any sort of art you're focusing on it? For the upcoming shows? I don't know yet. <laughs> I'll get back to you. <laughs> Not sure. It's felt new. Just in the idea phase right now. Mm. What continues to drive you about art or what keeps it fresh or new for you and stimulating? It's never, it never turns out the way you think it will. It's always a surprise, even if you pl- – like, there's nothing you can really do to plan it, especially the way I paint. So it's always very interesting to see what happens. It's like an experiment. Do you feel like your hand got a mind of its own sometimes? Totally. Or the paint does crazy stuff. You're like, whoa, what <laughs> just happened? That's, that's part of the fun. That's why you keep coming back to it. Yeah. 
So what does your painting process look like? <laughs> um, if you have one. Yeah. Turn on music, make coffee, and usually I will plan my images, whether it's sketches or, like, photos I take, and I have, like, and then I just see what happens. That's wow. like, <laughs> I know it's very, uh, <laughs> it it's hard to explain. You have to yeah, look at it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Is it common for artists to make multiple renditions of one painting? I think so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's, one, the industry, like, when something works, people tend to want more of it, which is, like, the marketing side of it. But yeah. personally, some people are just interested in a certain subject and they try to, like, get deeper or find, you know, what they're looking for. It's not always going to be on the first try, so. Yeah. Definitely. It's kind of like taking photos, mm -hmm. right? It's like you're taking... 20 of the same photo but they all look the same but they have that one little detail that's different i can never tell what my wife sees i just see the same photo <laughs> <laughs> but it's important to her so it's important yeah. to her so let her pick it for sure <laughs> yeah <man>. <laughs> so if people wanted to get a hold of you or support anything you're working on how could they do that yeah, so I usually hang out on Instagram, so Katarina Espapova or at Crate Magazine and um, email, website, our podcast. <laughs> you have a podcast? Yes. So what do you talk about on your podcast and what's it called? Uh, we talk about, we talk to a lot of artists and creative entrepreneurs, so we talk about uh, the creative journey, creative business, mindset stuff. Usually I just like spew out a solo episode if I'm feeling inspired. <laughs> so just if anyone needs motivation or like a pep talk for continuing on the journey that's what we recommend so. what's it called the create podcast the create podcast mm -hmm. that's awesome awesome well thank you so much for being here it's awesome talking to you yes thank you so much for having me this was so fun i appreciate you guys this has been the Nigenius genius podcast with kat popova signing off these guys <laughs> <Bye>. <laughs>